Uh, happy Labor Day, guys, and online campus. So glad you're here and we're worshiping together. I am Joel. I'm the Connect Pastor here. And so I get to, uh, to talk to you today because whether you realize it or not, we started a new series last week called Our Three C's. And that's why we did the Contribute Sunday last Sunday. But our three C's are kind of like a baseline. We use them to like direct our ministries, to orient, you know, just what we outline as the Christian life. Um, and so like we have Community Christian Church, and then we also have Celebrate, Connect, and Contribute, you know, like a lot of C's. I kind of feel like the count, you know, from, uh, from Sesame Street, C, right? No, okay. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It's not important. It's all right. um, but yeah, can you say that with me? The, cel- the, th- the three C's that we're doing our series on with me. We'll start with celebrate. Can you say that with me? Celebrate, connect, contribute. Yeah. So, man, if you're newer here or this is your first time, that's, that's, that's what we're talking about. And this is what the series is about. Um, and so, just to recap last week, we did the contribute. But something cool that we do, when we talk about it, we wanted to actually go out and do it. And so we do that every year. We go out and try and serve our community. These are just some of the highlights that, that we got, and we put them together. So you can check that out. Yeah, good job. Those of you guys who did stuff, um, this is not just a once in time, ye- once a time a year thing. We do this all the time. Um, and it's not too late either. If you were sick or you missed it or you're like, hey, you didn't call me and remind me, that's fine. It's, it's, it's still time. In fact, I got opportunities for you to go paint this week if you wanted. Um, there's a great uh, organization called Self who uh, like shows up, gives you the supplies, and, and you can go help a family that, that can't do it for themselves. Stuff like that. It's not too late. Um, But that was Contribute, and so today we get to talk about connection. So we say connect, and we talk about connecting to God and connecting to people. That's simple. Um, So it felt appropriate on Labor Day and with the Connect C to have the Connect pastor talk about that. So that's what we're doing. And uh, to do that, you're like, all right, well then, can you kind of define maybe what you mean by connect? And you know what? I'm really glad that you asked. Because 
I would love to do that. In fact, let's give you some synonyms. Let's talk about some, um, some other ways of saying what we mean when we say connect. So first one I want to talk to you about is stepping out. Like, like a leap of faith kind of thing. You've done this before? Have you reached outside of your comfort zone? Have you done things that were kind of abnormal? Have you done things that were difficult for you? Because I got to tell you, it is really difficult to be on mission with God if you aren't willing to leave just the zone where you are comfortable. That's really difficult. I, I, a couple weeks ago, I asked one of my six-year-old daughters to throw away her Wendy's cup. She'd left it on the counter. And to my surprise, she told me, that's my sister's, um, so no. And uh, we don't usually let our six-year-olds tell us no when we, when we ask them to do something. So I was then um, calm, and I was like, you know what? I threw away a cup earlier that wasn't mine, so that was probably yours. Um, that was my explanation of why she should then throw away a cup that wasn't hers. But you know what a six-year-old thought? Juliet! Daddy wants you to throw away your lemonade! <laughs> In another room. And then she just left. That was the end of that conversation. And it was so silly, she didn't even get in trouble for it. <laughs> and it makes me think, all right, how and to what lengths am I willing to go to to miss what God wants me to do? You know? What, what are you willing to avoid? Like, what kind of Job situations, not Job, Jonah. Yeah, that's the guy who ran away from God. What kind of Jonah situations are you willing to put yourself in to, like, move away from the mission that God has for you? I mean, are you willing to take, you know, some sort of career move that you're like, eh, that might not be the best for my personal and, and uh, spiritual life, but I think that's what I, what I want to do. Are you willing to, like, lose yourself and your kids' activities? Are you willing to like buy into and let doubt win out every, every single time in your head when you're like, mm, I might be supposed to do that, but uh, it wouldn't go well. Or mm, I, I, would, I could possibly fail. I could look foolish if, if, I, if I tried that and, and didn't go well. Or, you know, I'm not sure that God's really asking me to do that. I mean, are you willing to let doubt win out in all those minds? Are you online campus and here in person. Are you guys looking around and seeing all these people and all these services and, and views and stuff like that? And you think, do you buy into the lie that somebody else will throw away your lemonade cup? There's plenty of other people. God will use them. He doesn't need me. He doesn't desperately seek after me and want a full life with me. Do you buy into those kinds of lies? What links are you willing to go to to miss out on missions that God has for you? Man, when I, I think about stepping out in faith, you know, you just can't miss deep in the story of Genesis. All the way in Genesis chapter 12, God talks to a guy who he thinks trusts him. A guy by the name, originally, of Abram, right? And God tells Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to where? I'll show you later. And then he says, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. 
I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So what does Abram do? He went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he uh, left and he set out from Haran. Man, moving is not easy. How many of you guys, show of hands, have done that in the last couple of years? That's a lot, yeah. Yeah, I've done it one time in my adult life, and now I know. Now I know why so many people will do a lot of things to avoid doing that. I mean, if you take into account even using a realtor and even having other people help you haul boxes, it's still like a part-time job for a month or more of just lining everything up and cleaning up and getting prepped. And it's, it's dizzying. And that, that is just moving from one house to another house in the same area. And that's not what we're talking about when we're talking about the story of Abram. He, he left what he knew. He left his father's people. He left his friends and family. And we're not talking about just leaving your comfort zone. No, in, in, the, ancient, in the ancient world, leaving your tribe, your people group, um, was a huge security risk. Most people wouldn't even consider it. Abram probably wouldn't have considered it unless he was given those instructions by God. I mean, the best way to protect yourself from being overrun by being invaded, by being enslaved, is to have a large number of your clansmen that you can trust and know they have your back. And he was being asked to do all that. Traveling was dangerous, moving through other people's lands other, that other kings controlled, and just depending on their kindness and generosity, which is, you know, where Abram ran into some troubles and got into some lies. But that's all a fool's errand if you aren't in the hands of God, if you're not following his instruction. It is very much a burning of the ships of like, God, I'm going to step out and I'm going to fall. And if you don't catch me, splat. Exactly. Yeah. So why did Abram do it? You know, was he, was he just counting on being able to cash in on the jackpot of promises that God, God had given him? I mean, sure. Sure, Abram trusted God, and so he probably trusted some of those promises. I mean, I guess he thought that, but I mean, we also know from Abram, Abraham's story, you know, from Sarah and Sarah's story, we, we know from their story that they doubted at times. So why then did Abram leave his father's house? Why did he do it? Because he did, ultimately, he trusted God. Because Abram trusted God more than he feared the unknown. Can that be said of you? Can it be said of me? Like, do, I, do I fear the outcomes of not following God more than I fear what can happen to me in this world? That's, that's a question for us to ask. I mean, if God had told Abram to give away all of his livestock, he would have done it. If God had told him to camp out at the base of an active volcano, he would have done it. If God had instructed Abram to jump up and down on one foot and touch his nose, he would have done it. Because that's the kind of trust that Abram have, had on, in God. And when you trust God, you can count on it. He's going to ask you to leave your comfort zone. He's going to ask you to step out at some point. And so that's why thousands of years later, Paul, um, the Apostle Paul, is, is writing and encouraging some people. 
and he quotes from Genesis, and he tells him, look, look at Abram's story. The scriptures tell us Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of that trust, because of that faith. God counted him as righteous because of his faith. Man, that's, that's a beautiful thing to have said about you. Wouldn't you love to have that said about you? Church, that can be said about you. I hope it's said about you, that you trust God and that is counted as righteousness for you, that, that your faith counts you as righteous. Man, I'll tell you what, I, if I'm thinking of stepping out, I can think of another way of defining this connect word. It's devoted, devotion, like loyalty to. And the first thing that popped into my head when I'm thinking about being devoted to something was just a couple of weeks ago when we were going through the story of Ezekiel. You remember that month we spent in Ezekiel? Do you remember one of those crazy things that Ezekiel did? He laid on his side, and he, and he did some like other performative things, but he laid on his side for 390 days. That's over a year. I don't care if you're getting up and stretching. I don't even care if you're going and laying on a cot at night, like still getting down on the floor and laying on the ground for 390 straight days because God tells you to, because he's going to illustrate um, some of his prophecies through all that. Like that is commitment. That's a big deal. I toss and turn, I guarantee, probably about 15 times or something like that at night just to stay comfortable. My wife finds it endearing. Trust me. <laughs> yeah. Um, I can't even imagine staying still, you know, even, even if it's only during the day, even if that's it, still for that long. That's devotion. We had VBS, you know, during the summers a while back, and one of the crew leaders who helped, you know, take the vacation Bible school students around had brought with them this night their pet, Chinchilla. Um, yeah, it was, uh, if, you, if you don't know, it's like, like a ferret or maybe like, I don't know, just picture like a cute little squirrel. I'm sure there's better ways of describing it, but it was a hit. It was cool. And we were closing up at night. And uh, this, uh, this girl and her sister who brought the chinchilla um, take it back to their car. And the next thing that I hear about is, I can't find the chinchilla. <laughs> it's gotten out of its cage. It's in the car somewhere. We think it crawled into the duct system of the car. And, uh, and they had no way of knowing how to coax the chinchilla out. They couldn't start the car for fear of what might it do to their pet. And so they're just kind of up a creek. And, uh, and they don't have any like special skill. And so I, I remember hearing about the story and uh, being kind of amazed that their friend Erica Oment decided she would just stay with him. It wasn't like Erica had any special chinchilla-like whispering skills or anything like that. She just saw that her friends were kind of up a creek. And her only option, I bet, in her mind was that I'm going to be there with them. Like, that's, that's devotion. That's the kind of loyalty I think I would love to have in all of my friends that I want to be known for, kind of faithfulness that I want to show to God. Man, God demonstrated God demonstrate in the Old Testament another place where, man, my people have shown great unfaithfulness towards me. And this is how I'm going 
to shove it in their faces. This is how they're going to know. The prophet Hosea. You know this guy? Very first chapter in Hosea, uh, second verse, God gives this guy some instructions. And they're weird. He says, go marry a promiscuous woman and have children with her for like an adulterous wife. This land, these people, they're guilty of unfaithfulness to the Lord. So Hosea and his devotion goes and marries a promiscuous woman. And they do have kids together and they name them what God tells them to and it's all part of this prophecy. And then, not to anyone's surprise, Hosea's wife, who's named Gomer, all things, I, I can't... I can't hear the name Gomer and not think Gomer Pyle, United States Marine Corps. <laughs> it's an old show, right? Um, you might catch it on Nick and Night still. But, um, so I don't think like the most beautiful wife, but again, that's not based on anything other than silliness. Um, but his wife, Gomer, cheats on him, uh, leaves him for another man, and uh, leaves him and his family, and, uh, sorry, his kids, like just devastated and goes off and uh, bring shame upon him, all that stuff. And so um, what happens is God says, look, this is how Israel has treated me. We made this covenant on Mount Sinai where I would be your God and you would be my people. And I, he, he told him, I have brought you out of a land of slavery in Egypt and I'm going to give you freely the land of Canaan, the land, a land flowing of milk and honey. It will be yours and you can enjoy it, and it can be, um, you can be safe and secure in it. And again, I will be your God, and you will be my people. And what the Israelites then do is they take all of the benefits from their part, uh, his part of the relationship, and then they go and prostitute themselves out to the gods of Baal and give the worship that is due to God to false gods. And then this is where Hosea comes in with, with his illustrative story. And so God tells Hosea, I want you to go and I want you to find your wife. Seek after her. And it's astounding what happens then because he goes and he finds her, the woman who's been unfaithful to him, who's brought shame on their family, who's dishonored him in their society, who's racked up debt that's not his, and she's been mistreated and exploited he finds her and he cares for her. And he pays a debt that he didn't know. And, and, he, and he brings her to a home that she had abandoned. And he does that, obviously not on his own volition, but because God tells him to, because God says that. That's what I'm doing for my people. I'm going to show them that undeserved mercy. We call it grace. And look, he tells them, O Israel, I will wipe the many names of Baal from your lips, and you will never mention them again. I will remove all weapons of war from the land, all swords and bows, and you can live unafraid in peace and safety. I will make you my wife forever, showing you righteousness and justice, unfailing love and compassion, I will be faithful to you and make you mine. And you will finally know me as Lord 
See, that's a good spot to just pause in our definition of connection and think, all right, yeah, we can talk about all these things that we need to do, but man, the basis of any true connection to God begins with his faithfulness to us, not your faithfulness to him. And that, that's good, because he truly is faithful, and he truly knows how, and, and he calls us back time and time again. That's, that's why we can live without regrets. That's why we can have you know, the boldness to approach him even though we have run away from him time and time again, not taking advantage of his grace, but resting in the knowledge that he is a good father who wants you a lot more than he is hurt by your sins. And that's a heavy definition, but it's a good one when we think about this faithfulness to God. So let me give you a one more synonym when I'm talking about connection, and it's so simple, but you got to think about this. It's time spent with. Time spent with God. Time, I mean, if, if we can't claim to be like with Jesus and then not give time to him. Just think about Jesus's earthly ministry. Think about what he accomplished, all right? Think about just the microcosm that last night before his crucifixion. What did he do? He celebrated a Passover meal, which is a big deal Jewish holiday, and he celebrated that with his friends, right? And the disciples are all gathered around the table, and we know it from the famous painting, you know, right? And, and uh, he celebrated that meal. Think about, like, um, Easter dinner at your grandma's, where, you know, like, like, you're not allowed to bring friends to Easter dinner at grandma's, all right? No, it's, it's that closeness uh, of of stuff. And so Jesus spends that time with his friends. And then later that night, Jesus goes and prays in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he takes his disciples with him. Remember, he goes off and he prays and he asks them to stick around and to pray. And they fall asleep. He comes back and wakes them up and like, come on, guys. Can't even stay away for a couple hours. Like, this is kind of a big deal. And, and then just think about like, man, all the time they spent over those three years that they were following Jesus, that he was their rabbi, and, and they were his disciples. And that's the example that Jesus left us, is that, that training. It wasn't that these guys had learned a bunch of stuff in a classroom setting. No, they had gathered what would be their future strength and boldness like through osmosis of relationship, just through time spent I mean, I think about it when I, when I think about, um, I got to go to Bible college, and it was wonderful, and there were great Bible classes. Some of those classes were also, though, practical ministry classes, like, like Youth Ministry 101 or like um, Problems of the Ministry, stuff like that, where we read books on comforting the bereaved and, you know, how to make a calendar and, and personal finance, all that stuff, and practical stuff. You guys probably took practical classes, not necessarily ministry, but just practical classes. You know, they're good, but sometimes you don't care and you don't apply them right away. You want to know where I learned how to do things like a wedding? When I first started here, and Scott Swellbar showed me his notes and talked me through his process. That's how I learned how to do a wedding. You want to know how, how I learned how to do youth ministry events? It was because I had a great youth minister when I was a kid, and I went to dozens and dozens of events that he put on. That's that's how I learned how to do that. You want to know how I learned how to sit with people who are going through a lot of different stuff? It, 
I just mimicked what I'd seen lots of great people like Randy Adams do. You see what I'm getting at, church? Like, there's, there is no substitute for time spent with Jesus. There's no shortcut. There's no way around it. If you are going to be a follower of Jesus, just remember that. Like, there's no substitute for time spent. And I mean, like, we're talking, like, like devotion, and, and we're talking about, like, Bible reading plans. We're talking, like, listening to podcasts in your car. We're talking about, like, having discussions around the dinner table. We're talking about keeping a prayer journal. We're talking about, like, devoting that time and your morning coffee or whatever it is in your rhythm of life. But, man, there is no substitute with time spent. And when, and when Jesus talks about this stuff, he talks about it really deeply, but then also just simplifies it to this. In John 15, he tells his followers, remain in me. And I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. And those men who had spent all those time with, those young men who had spent all those time with with Jesus, and uh, a couple of them in particular who were scared to be even identified as his friends the night that he was crucified because they were afraid that they would be crucified along with him. Remember, Peter says, no, I, don't, I don't know the man. And then the rooster crows. Yeah, those same guys, just a couple of months later, filled with the spirit of Jesus, are boldly proclaiming his name in the streets of Jerusalem. And the, some of those same religious leaders who had condemned Jesus to death hold a, a Sanhedrin, a, a tribunal, a council, and they pull Peter and some of his associates in front of that council, and they tell him, what are you doing talking about the blasphemy of that Jesus of Nazareth guy? We command it that no one do that. Why are you violating that command? And in front of that, that group of people, Peter now, in a very different tone, tells them, yeah, Jesus of Nazareth that you crucified? Yeah, that same God who you claim to worship, he raised Jesus back to life. You're in the wrong. That Jesus who you claim is blasphemous, that name is the only name in which salvation will be found. And Peter, in all his boldness, stunned the crowd. They were astonished. And... Acts records for us that when they saw the courage of Peter and John, they realized these were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. They couldn't believe it. These these fishermen, (laughs) they were Galileans. What are they doing? They don't have any place here in our, our big holy city. But no, no, the message of Jesus was implanted in them because of the time that they had spent with Jesus. What a simple observation to make, right? Don't you hope that 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 observation is made about you? Like, church, shouldn't Butler County, shouldn't where you're from, shouldn't they know 
those who have spent time with Jesus and those who haven't? Well, shouldn't your co-workers know like, that you have spent time with Jesus? Isn't it going to be pretty plain to our children and other family members whether or not we have spent time and connected to Jesus? You know, whether, whether they voice it or not, won't they know? And won't they mimic that just like those who have spent time with Jesus mimic their Savior? Yeah. Yeah, they will. That's why there is no substitute for time spent. That's why we can talk about connection and being devoted and stepping out in faith until we're blue in the face. But I mean, when you, when you really boil it down, when you, get, when you get to the heart of the matter, we're talking about being connected to the vine, right? Just like Jesus used that illustration, remain in me. Like, like focus, make sure that that connection is there and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot, will not produce fruit if it's severed from the vine. And you, you and I, we cannot be fruitful unless we remain in him. Amen? And Jesus, we come to you this morning and we, uh, we pray that over ourselves. We ask for your saving grace in coming and connecting that vine. God, even when we have been unfaithful, God, we, we pray and for that strength and for that uh, renewal. We pray for that lifeblood that you, the vine, gives us. And God, we pray for that fruitfulness. We want to see that fruit. We want those around us who are depending on us, those who can um, benefit from us. God, we want to be used by you. We want to see that fruitfulness come out. So God, I pray that as we go out of here today, as we go throughout our week, God, that we would be able to be connected to you, that we can focus on that, that we can use one of these new ways of describing our connection to you, that people would take note that we are very ordinary, unschooled people, but we have been with you. We pray these things in your name. Amen.